We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode number 97, and we are getting ready for the Ohio State Buckeyes to take on the Utes of Utah in the Rose Bowl, and who better to talk about that with than the MVP of the 1997 Rose Bowl. We have got Ohio State legend quarterback and Super Bowl champion, Joe Germain. So coming up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us. For garage beers. Uh, welcome on in, everybody, to episode number 97 of the Garage Beers Podcast. Go find the show online on all social medias Twitter at the Garage Beers, Instagram at the Garage Beers. Find us on Facebook and TikTok and YouTube and so much more. As always, we are brought to you on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go check Belly Up Sports out. Uh, and we have got one heck of an episode planned for you tonight as we get ready for the fun part of bowl season. It's time for the New Year's Bowls. It's time for the playoff games. Uh, and the Ohio State Buckeyes are getting ready to play in the Rose Bowl, which is always a good time. And, uh, and we are ready to discuss that with former Ohio State quarterback Joe Germain. Uh, and Joe's going to share his time in the Rose Bowl and with the Buckeyes. With you, as always, I am your host, Michael Keefe. Find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And with me, as always, the two best co-hosts in the game. Over on the east side of Cleveland, it's Chad Myers. Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what up, Chad? How dare you, sir? <laughs> oh, whatever. I was trying to get your, How I was trying to get your Twitter you. handle in there. Oh, oh, you were. You were, huh? I was. Uh, yeah, okay, I was. Okay. Uh, hi. Just in case, just in case anybody wanted to like make the mistake of following you. <laughs> oh, it would that would be the big, it would be the biggest mistake of your life. I'm good, guys. I'm good. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing new to report. Uh, you know, it's it's actually a lot warmer in my garage than it is on the porch. So this is a smart decision to uh, that, not because- do it on the open porch anymore. Is that because of the walls and the door? Probably. Oh, most likely. Insulation, insulation, that kind of shit. <laughs> you know, 
you guys will be stunned to find out that inside a shelter, it's a little bit warmer than it is just outdoors. It's not bad. It's quite tolerable. Well, you look great, and uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind you. A, that bike helmet behind you, there's no way that fits your head. That's a nice, no, nice no. looking wreath back there. That's that's the kiddos. Yeah, I got some, here. You want to, some cornhole boards like ah. that? Got to love uh-huh. it. So Chad's oh, out yeah. there in the garage ready to have a good episode. And back down in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Joey Whalen at Garage Beers. Joe, what's up, Joe? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm good. Had a great, uh, great Christmas with the family. Now I'm back in Nashville in this uh, greenhouse of a kitchen that we have here. I'm like literally surrounded by seven different plants. So much greenery. So much greenery. Yeah, very aesthetically pleasing. It looks it it looks very it looks very nice there. Uh, Yeah, it's warm. It's It's like seventy degrees, which probably means we're going to get some uh, gnarly storms this week. But it's botanical. You're like you're in your own botanical garden there in the kitchen. Chad, how was your Christmas? Did you have a good Christmas? I had a great Christmas, fellas. I had a great Christmas. Uh, your, your boy here got a grill. I'm going to finally gonna be able to start grilling food. Oh. I've been I've been lobbying for a grill for uh, I don't know how long we've been here five years, and uh, yeah, finally received a grill. I'm going to be able to cook some delicious food. None for you, Mike, because you suck, Mike. Uh, Joey. <laughs> Joey, you can come up anytime. Joey, you can come up anytime. We'll make some prime ribs, some steaks, some chicken. Such a dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, my my Christmas is good, fellas. How about yours? Are we talking about just a regular grill? Mm-hmm. Yep. You just didn't mm-hmm. have a normal grill. Didn't have a normal grill. I've been lobbying it for your. I've been lobbying for that and a hot tub. I totally get it with the hot tub. <laughs> but, yeah, I, get, uh, yeah, I, get that. I got a grill. I got a grill. All right. A party at Chad's house. I like the sound of that. Yeah, Christmas yeah. was good. You know, it, it was all about the kids. So the kids had a good time. Great Christmas. Uh, I I mixed entirely too many different kinds of drinks on Christmas Eve. And so that night ended at some point that I still am trying to remember when it ended and when I went to bed. But that's kind of a fuzzy memory. But you know what? I woke up the next morning and Santa was here. So it was perfectly fine. Joe, how how'd you feel? Because you were right there with me mixing all them drinks. You're muted. Joe, you're muted. Well, of course I am. I, you know, I was, so. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was in the beginning, but then I stuck with that peppermint uh, martini for... Oh, I threw a couple of those in there. That was quite a, no, quite a number of rounds. And I think I think staying... At, like, I was definitely, you know, um, feeling great. Um, but I think staying that singular route at the end really helped me out. That's fair. Didn't help me out because I did not stay that singular route. And that was an issue. And for some reason, the bourbon drinks keep getting bigger and bigger as the night goes on. <laughs> hey, I'll fill this glass with this Manhattan. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but like I said, Santa came and I had a headache, but it was fine. So, boys, uh, again, a great episode. We got the Rose Bowl coming up, the Ohio State Buckets. And there's a lot to talk about, obviously, uh, uh, with some players that won't be playing in that game, and obviously we'll discuss that. Uh, and then we've got other stuff to talk about as, as we've got another NFL weekend coming up, just a couple left before the playoffs start, uh, and so much more. But, uh, uh, boys, uh, as usual, it's time for us to get into uh, our favorite segment of the week, which is our Garage Beers of the Week. All right, so to lead us off for Garage Beers of the Week this week, we're going to send it down to Nashville, Tennessee, 
And we're gonna we're gonna lead it off with Joey. Joe, what's your garage beer of the week this week? I don't think I have like a new one to the show. Um, I was at the grocery. I just drove back to Nashville yesterday, and I went to the grocery store today, and I had so many opportunities to buy beer, and I just totally forgot to do that. So my bad. But I have a great beer. It's just Southern Tears Two X Smith. Oh, great beer! Two X Smith. Two X Capping off the holiday beer season. <laughs> But a Griswold but, family Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but but the best part, and you might have seen it if you're on our social media, nope. is I'm drinking it out of my new Garage Beers glass. Oh, I got man. I, I think we should make. Oh. A, I think we should make. I think we should make a quick announcement on the podcast. Absolutely. I think we should make a quick announcement on the podcast. So for Christmas, Joe's family. Uh, I think between my wife and Joe's parents got me two of these garage beers glasses. There's cool. one right there. They got Joey two of the garage beers glasses. And they got what Chad two of the garage beers glasses. What? Let's go. <laughs> so there's two. Let's go. They, they got you two, Chad. And the reception online on social media was ballistic basically for the terrific yeah Yeah, so chad you're getting two. the the reception was terrific and we heard from a lot of you uh uh, our faithful following Uh, and so just know that behind the scenes we i am doing a little exploring over here as as to how we could potentially make these garage beers glasses available at garagebeershop.com because we had so many of you guys ask uh, for these. So I think uh, sooner rather than later, you may be able to find your favorite Garage Beers glass at garagebeershop.com. Uh, but we will make that announcement when it happens. But Chad, we wanted to let you know that you are getting two of those glasses. Let's go! Anyways, I just how, made my night. I, anyways, just made, I don't even need to talk to Jill Germain. I'm out. How's your two Xmas? <laughs> how's your two Xmas? Oh, it's delicious. I was going to say it's so much better out of this glass than I've ever had it before. I love it. Oh, I did frost a glass too, which helps. Ooh, I was fancy Ooh. tonight. You, you, oh, you fancy, huh? Uh, all right. So Chad is very excited about his. So we're going to let him save it for last. I'm going to bring it to me next on Garage Beers of the Week. And so I went with a new one, and this one sounded super weird to me, but it had one of my favorite words in it, so I just went with it. So this is from High Wire Brewing, uh, and uh, that's out of Asheville, North Carolina. And this is called the Spice Walla brand, and it's called the Chai 10W40. Like a like a What's chai. Your- and that's like if I go to like a coffee shop, if I go to like Starbucks, I usually get like a chai latte with some shots in it because I'm a chai. I love that flavor. So it's a chai 10W40. So it's an imperial stout brewed with ginger cinnamon, green cardamom, black pepper, clove, allspice, allspice, chocolate, vanilla, and lactose. And um for the second re- week in a row, I think I have one of these like spicy stouts, and it's delicious. It it kind of tastes like a spicy chai latte with alcohol in it, which Starbucks should sell. I feel like. <laughs> What's your favorite word? You said it's one of your favorite words. Was it chai? The chai, that, yeah, like, what, yeah, chai. I, oh, I, it's one of your favorite words. Okay, I don't know. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have said words, but like I like <laughs> chai drinks. And so I was like, oh, that sounds like it's right up my alley. And to be honest with you, I couldn't drink a bunch of these. It's very heavy, but not in like a, some of these stouts, 
I feel like the sweeter they are, the more I could drink them. The spicier yeah. they are, the more I'm like, whoa, I can only have maybe one or two of those. Uh, but so this is kind of one of those, but it's delicious. So shout out to High, High Wire. The Chai 10W40 is delicious. Uh, so that's mine. Chad, you're very excited. You've told us several times you're very excited about your beer. So tell us about it. Gentlemen, uh, Mike and Joey. That's uh, who we are. I, I, too, have an Imperial Stout this week. Woo! And uh, the reason why I'm so excited about this is because it's, it's, it brought back some, uh, some very, very, very good memories for me. So this is very sentimental for me. Whenever I would go visit my buddies at OU, uh, Mike, I would go to this small little hole-in-the-wall bar off of uh, Court Street called Tony's Tavern. Okay? And <laughs> they had this shot there. Okay? It was the most po- one of the more popular shots around campus, around the town, and it's pretty a pretty gross sounding. It's a pretty gross sounding shot. It's called the hot nut shot. Sounds like the something Chad would sh- order. Hey, oh. uh, it's a hot nut shot. Uh, the hot nut shot is a coffee and like hazelnut liqueur mixed like shot. And I swear to God, you take this thing and you see like the fucking face of God. Like it's amazing. Okay, and so this. Right here, Brew Kettle collaborated with 50 West Brewing Company and made the oh you, oh yeah, hot nut. <laughs> oh my god. Hot nut <laughs> Imperial <laughs> Stout, baby. That's the most ridiculous can I have ever seen. Hot nut Imperial <laughs> Stout, baby. That is everywhere. Brewed with hazelnuts and coffee. Uh, and guys, I got to be careful because this is eleven point five percent. Let's go! Oh. Mm. <laughs> I uh, I uh, I can't drink too much of these, or else I'm going to be a mess by the end of the show. Chad's only but, six uh, in. Yeah, it's uh, very sentimental for me, guys, because that was this is amazing. It is delicious. If you can find it while it's still out, because once it's once it's bought, it's gone. Like it's only a limited release. So once it's bought, it's gone. So if you can get this. I highly recommend it. I am very excited that I left you for last because that was very <laughs> worthwhile. Uh, so those are our garage beers of the week. Tell us what your garage beers of the week are, especially as we head into the new year. Are there any beers you're excited for? Any beers you want us to try? Uh, and we will go out and find them. But uh, Chad, Joe, to you guys here on the podcast, I say cheers to you, the listener. I say cheers. And now it is time to get in to episode number 97. And to do that, uh, we're going to send it off to an episode or an interview that we did with a familiar name, a familiar face. If you're an Ohio State Buckeyes fan, uh, the one time quarterback of the Buckeyes who led them to appearances in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl twice. Yes, it is none other none other than the one and only Joe Germain. All right, and now we are really excited to get into yet another here on episode 97. Uh, we got to be close to our 90th special guest uh, that we've had on the podcast, and this one's very, very exciting, especially if you're kind of in my age group, Chad's age group, growing up, watching the Ohio State Buckeyes in, in Ohio and the Cleveland area for us. Uh, uh, this guy, uh, our special guest tonight, put on one of the most special performances, gave us one of the most special memories ever 
in the Rose Bowl for the Buckeyes. He was the MVP of the 1997 Rose Bowl. And, oh, by the way, he's also a Super Bowl champion. Let's not pass that up. Uh, we are very, very excited to have on Joe Germain on the Garage Beers podcast. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Joe, listen, uh, life in Arizona, should we call you coach now? Or do, do you just kind of go by coach at this point? <laughs> I am coaching and there are a lot of people that do call me coach. Yes. Um, but uh, whatever you'd like to call me, it's, it's an honor to be on your show. Oh, it's now, Joe. Now, now Joe, as soon as we announced that you were coming on the show, uh, my buddy messages me uh, and says, you want to tell Joe, you want you want to brag to Joe, how we ran him out of, out of, out of town. This buddy of mine coaches at Castile, so we just decided to talk a bunch of smack. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him to shut up. I, yeah, who's, who's I, I told buddy? him to shut up. Who's your buddy? Uh, uh, Shawnee Carvalho. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Castile, yeah, they're, they're, they're a real good program out here in, uh, in, in the Queen Creek area. And, and uh, yeah, we did play them. When, when I was coaching at Queen Creek High School last year, uh, we did play uh, Castile, or two years ago, I guess it was. Um, and yeah. they, they did, they did beat us. Um, but since then I, I started coaching at Mountain View high school this year. So different school, but, uh, but yeah, right. yeah. So anyways, we, we, we try right. not to, sometimes we have to remind Chad that we don't usually open the show with the trash talk, but sometimes he forgets <laughs> and just starts. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my bad, <laughs> my bad. My bad. Yeah. Hey, what, what goes around comes around, you know? Uh Oh, exactly. They, they, they lost this year. They lost to him this year. That's what he gets. So, there you go. <laughs> there it is. But uh, anyway, sorry, John. I, uh, let, let's get in. Let's let's talk your football journey. You know, for a little bit. You know, it, you know, you you're coaching at Mountain View now. You know, you you played at Mountain View. You were a record setter at Mountain View. You were a three year letter winner, uh, football, baseball, basketball. Uh, but you didn't start uh, at quarterback uh, until midway through your junior year, and you set all kinds of school records, thrown for almost four thousand yards. You know, thirty nine touchdowns. You were, uh, I mean, deadly accurate your senior year, but then you get drafted by the Colorado Rockies uh, as 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 a major league baseball prospect. Uh, so when was 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 football always kind of a back burner thing? Like when did that become the priority for you? Uh, and what happened in the with the, with the Colorado Rockies situation? Yeah, you did your homework. That's a lot of good information you provided there. Um, <laughs> Just yeah. Like, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> yeah, that did. Um, you know, I, to be honest with you, I think it was a little bit opposite for me. I, I, I played all three sports through high school, growing up and all the way through high school, um, which I think is not done often these days. It seems more and more kids are specializing these days and more and more kids back when maybe we or I for sure were growing up, you know, we played more than one sport, but um. Yeah. Uh, even though I was playing football, baseball, and basketball, I was always a football guy. Uh, okay. That that was just kind of my that was just kind of in my blood was football, and and I and I I did play baseball. I did get drafted by the Rockies as a pitcher out of high school. Um, had the opportunity to to take that route, but because of my love and passion for the game of football, um, I chose to go that path instead of baseball. Um, you know, so that was the right decision for me. There are times, though, where I do kind of sit back and wonder, you know, had I gone the yeah. baseball route, how that would have turned out. Um, <laughs> you know, the Colorado Rockies were a, a, a new franchise at the time. Maybe their minor league system was, you know, maybe a little bit um, less or, uh, you know, I don't know the dynamics of really kind of going through the minor leagues because I didn't do it. But 
Um, maybe there was a, a shorter path to get to the major leagues that way, but yeah, I wouldn't change my football experience for anything. And, and uh, I'm still able to be a part of the game uh, as, as a coach right now at the high school level. And so it's a love of mine. So Joe, you're sitting there decked yeah, out before- in your Mountain View gear. It's pretty sweet, actually. I love the hat. Uh, yeah. I like the orange and the blue. It looks good. But I'm very interested in this because Chad and I spent a lot of time around high school football. We broadcast high school football. And it's, it's like a pet peeve of mine. This, this, and, but you're a coach, so I'm interested to hear your perspective on it. You grew up as a three-sport athlete, right? You're playing basketball and baseball and football. And now, like you've said, we're running into the situation where it's, it's you probably have seen it a lot. You probably know different programs in different schools where uh, they put a lot of pressure on kids. If you're going to play football, you have to play football. If you're going to play baseball, you better be playing year round. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to want to do this, you have to do this. What are your feelings on that? Because that, that's always something, you know, for us, I think growing up too, Chad and I, it was always, you know, you play baseball in the spring, you play maybe in the summer, you do your football, you, 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 you play different sports. And for me, it's yeah. always funny because the best athletes on the planet seem to be the guys that came out, you know, Mike Trout was an all world, all other sport athlete. LeBron James was an all world sure. football player. Uh, uh, and they, and they came up and they, they didn't specialize in one thing. What are your feelings on that? And as a coach, how do you kind of approach that? Yeah, I, I actually, I, th- I think it needs to be more about the, the student athlete than the coach. I think we need to put the kids first. And, and I think any chance or opportunity that a young man or young woman gets to compete is a good thing. Uh, so, so I very much, as, a, as the head football coach at Mount High School, encourage our student athletes to play other sports because um, it's good for them. It's good for their development. Um, and so I support that, but there are, there are other coaches, um, that coach other sports that don't like that. They, they want them in their, in their, uh, whatever program other than football year round so that they can kind of train their guys. And I get it. I get it. But, um, I think if we put the, if we put the kids first, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's good for them to kind of get that experience of doing other things and competing on a year round basis in games. Now what? Now what does it? Now in your in your eyes, what does that do? Being a multi sport athlete, do for a kid instead of focusing on one sport? I, I think it just makes them more of a more of a, a well rounded athlete. Um, I think they get the opportunity to be around other coaches yeah. um, to learn to learn other disciplines, um, but just to be in game situations. You know, we in Arizona we yeah. play uh, ten regular season games, and if we're lucky, we get to play four. Um, postseason games, including the state championship here. So that's 14 games, right? Um, and, and it's wonderful. But if they can go out and, and play 25 basketball games and, uh, you know, 25 baseball games or uh, compete in track and all that kind of stuff, all those opportunities and live situations to be able to go out and compete and turn on, you know, those things. I think that just, that's just going to help them when they come back around for football season. You know, the fact that they got to compete uh, in, in a live you know, pressure type situation. You can't, you can't practice that. Yeah. I love that. And, 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 you know, you, you, what we see in different high schools is, you know, where, where things really get successful is where those coaches start working together too. the baseball coach works with the football coach and they know the players on, on both sides and they know how to coach them and they work together and the basketball coach and all that. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's, that's always been a thing for me is, you know, I, we'd all love to say, 
I'd love to say my kid's going to grow up and be the next Joe Germain and play quarterback at Ohio State, but it's not a lot of kids get to do that. Uh, and, and so to give them that well-rounded experience, I think is awesome. Uh, speaking of your journey uh, to Ohio State, you didn't you didn't take. We're very used to at this point. You know this as a Buckeye. We're very used to this this story with Ohio State at this point. Five star quarterback. You bring in three of them, you know, and and, and you you're bringing in all these highly touted recruited players. Joe, you coming out of, out of Mountain View, there, you weren't the most highly recruited guy. You weren't the most uh, the the top prospect. Uh, uh, you had uh, from what we saw, uh, you know, uh, was it Northern Arizona? I believe was on the table, but then you know you were doing like a mission trip, and that caused a little bit of an issue there, and you wound up at a community college. Uh, where you had to play a little bit before you made it to Ohio State, and then you transferred over to Ohio State. So, you know, coming out of high school, what was that process like of getting to Ohio State, and how is it different? You know, how is it different for you than what you see today with with recruiting? Well, recruiting is uh, man, it's it's quite the experience. Uh, much much different uh, nowadays than when I went through it um, in the in the mid late nineties. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of seeing it from the coach's perspective now. Yeah. So um, it's crazy. Um, you didn't do uh, signing day and you weren't like throwing hats around and stuff like that. <laughs> even if they did have that back then, I didn't get to participate in that. No way. Um, <laughs> I did. I took the long road for sure. Um, you know, out, out of high school, um, you know, Mountain View High School is one of the, in Arizona, one of the great traditions yeah. of high school football. There's our school has won eight state championships in its history, which is the most in Arizona football um, in the big schools. Um, but um, the, the great program that it is, what it hung its hat on, what it was always known for is great defense, kind of hard, physical, tough nose football. So we didn't throw the ball a lot, especially when I was there uh, playing, we didn't throw the ball a lot. So didn't really get a lot of experience uh, and, and, and didn't get recruited because of that. Um, so, uh, no offers at all out of high school for me. Um, so went to, went to junior college, played at Scottsdale community college. Um, and just for one season, I was an academic qualifier. So I so after one season I, I went there and that's where I had the opportunity to, you know, throw the ball 40 times a game, you know, in a kind of more pro style system, wide open system and, and had some, you know, amazing athletes and wide receivers around me. Um, I, I love, I will forever be grateful for the junior college experience and the yeah. junior college opportunity. Those athletes that get to play that, that changed my life. Um, and because after one season, you know, I had the opportunity to, to get a, a scholarship for, for Ohio State. I'll never forget um, getting that, um, uh, that voicemail or that, that call, excuse me, from John Cooper who was the head coach at Ohio state at the time and basically him telling me, Hey, we want you to be a Buckeye. <laughs> and, and I went from a, I went from an artichoke to a Buckeye. So, I mean, so there's, there's one of those two, hats. Two, two things to be happy about, you know, had this awesome opportunity to go to Ohio state and I wasn't, uh, you know, and, and the, and the name, the Buckeye name was a lot more powerful than the artichoke name. Uh, so, um, <laughs> So yeah, it was uh, quite, quite this, quite the ride. Was it Joe, was it like out of the blue or was it like, had you had had conversations with Ohio state uh, before? Was it, was it, was it a surprise to you? I mean, growing up out out here in Arizona on the West coast, I mean, obviously you're, you're aware of who Ohio state is, right? but 
it wasn't a school that I followed. It wasn't a school that I always <laughs> wanted to go to. Um, it, it was just, Hey, they, they, they you know, uh, Larry Coker is really interesting. Larry Coker was the wow. defensive back coach at Ohio state. And he was and he was the one that recruited me and, and offered me. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I went back for a visit, I uh, got to see it. And that's when I was just like, Holy cow, this place is unbelievable. I don't think the people on the West coast truly understand, uh, what it's like at, at a school that has the tradition like Ohio state and very many, if any kind of has the tradition of Ohio state. Um, and so just to go back and experience that, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, I, I want to be a part of this. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when that offer came through, I, I, I knew, uh, that's, that's where I wanted to be. Now, okay, so you get in there, uh, you know, as a transfer, and you start to back up Stanley Jackson. But really, I mean, it wasn't really a backup, as you guys shared, you know, you shared a lot of time. You know, what do you remember about that, that experience? What did it teach you? What did you learn? How was your relationship with Stan uh, during that time period? You know, I'll tell you, um, Stanley Jackson was a great teammate to me. Um, and I have all the respect in the world for Stanley Jackson. Um, I know it was a hard situation for him, too. Um, you know, he was a year older than me. My, my, my redshirt freshman year there at Ohio State, I redshirted. He was the backup to Bobby Hoying. You know, Bobby Hoying, I think, doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I think yeah. Bobby Hoying is one of the all-time great quarterbacks to ever play at Ohio State. Wow. Um, wow. And uh, so it's kind of kind of be there, you know, under Bobby Hoying, Stanley Jackson, and then uh, Bobby Hoying's brother, Tom Hoying, was also a quarterback at the time who kind of later – uh, switched and played some tight end uh, for us, um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, you know that the, the, you know that sophomore year, that next year, where Stanley and I kind of competed against one another, and the coaches kind of said, "Hey, there's really not a lot of separation between you two guys uh, through training camps. We're going to let you both play in the first game uh, and see if <laughs> one of you can separate." And then we, you know, I think we beat Rice seventy to seven that game. Um, yeah. They're like, oh wow, let's uh, let's try this again the next week, and, and yeah. kind of, kind of steamrolled. And and uh, I, I think I think what made it work, you know, you got two guys, and maybe a team kind of wants that one guy. Um, yeah. But I think just the, the the unselfishness that we kind of had through it, um, kind of is, is what made it work. So you talk about. You know, you go, you go to the, to, to the junior college. And I think that's, you know, I think it's really cool, especially as you as a coach now in one of the most storied high schools uh, and football programs in Arizona, I think it's cool that you had that experience that you can share with your kids, but you go, you go from community college to Ohio state. And you talked about some of the athletes you played at in community college. And all of a sudden you're, you're standing there as the quarterback of the Ohio State Buckeyes in the horseshoe, and you look over and you see David Boston, uh, uh, which is to this day, you know, David Boston, if nothing else, great, an incredible wide receiver. One of the all-time greats at Ohio State history still. But to this day, if you ask people about the most freakishly athletic, freak-looking people, wide receivers of all time, David Boston's on that list. Uh you look over and you see David Boston. You look over on the defensive side and you see a guy that's been on our podcast as well. You see Andy Katzenmoyer. You see just uh, some of the most incredible football players that have ever played at Ohio State. What was that? What was that experience like for you coming from Arizona to this program and all of a sudden looking around that room and being like, "Whoa, wait a minute! Look at these guys." 
These guys aren't artichokes. No, yeah. nothing against <laughs> artichokes. I love the artichokes. Yeah. Well, you, you hit on two guys that were just, they kind of broke the mold, really. I mean, when I, when I was there, I mean, it, I don't know how often true freshmen came in and just started day one. Uh, I think it happens now, maybe, you know, a little bit more. Katzenmoyer was the first at linebacker. He was the first. Andy, and, and then, and then how cool is it that here's this young freshman coming in, a start, he's, he's the middle, you know, there's certain positions that are a little bit more prestigious maybe than others, but the middle linebacker <laughs> Ohio State, I mean, that you're a dude, right? Yeah. He, comes, he, comes, he comes in. He comes in as a freshman, and then he wears number forty-five. Right. I mean, Archie Griffin. As a true, you know, I don't even know how many years prior to that that number was even worn. Um, you know, and so yeah, and then David Boston. I mean, that guy is just uh, man, what a stud, what an awesome teammate. Both those guys were um, just great, great guys. But how about this? How about my first year there as a redshirt freshman? You know, I'm. I'm I'm kind of in the same locker room as Eddie George, right? Um, yeah. and then, what? And then uh, Ricky Dudley. Oh, I mean, those are those are guys. Like if 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 we're you know if we're walking into the shower and, and I'm like, and those two guys are going in there, I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna wait. I'm not gonna. Shower <laughs> no. Like, no. I mean, which, they're just, which one? Did they're, they're just cut from a different cloth. Like, Wait, uh, which yeah. one did you want, sir? Which one did you want, sir? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, yeah, I'll just, I'll just wait. I'll just wait until you guys finish. Oh, um, I was just here to hold your towel for you. I'm. Yeah, yeah there's we're, this, we're good. And our and our locker room was was littered with just crazy athletes like that. And oh man. All right, so I I, I want to talk about you know we just talked about the players. I want to talk about Coach Coop for a second there, Joe. Uh, you know, unfortunately. Uh, despite all of his winning, because Coach Coop won a lot of games, way more than he lost yeah. at, at Ohio State, way more than he lost. But unfortunately, what you're remembered most for at Ohio State is if you beat the team up north. And, and obviously, Coach Coop did, did, did not do that a lot. But you were, you were part of probably, probably the biggest win, <laughs> the biggest win of his two that he had against Michigan. You know, what, what are some things – that you know, listeners and fans and Buckeye fans need to know about Coach Cooper. That really, uh, you know, that really, I, I don't know what you want to say. That that they might not know, like, like, like maybe some misconceptions that fans might might have missed about about Coach Coop. Because, like I said, all what he's really remembered for is his record against Michigan, when really he's one of the winningest coaches in Ohio State history. Yeah, no, I think you're right. He, I think he was an amazing coach. I mean, everywhere he went. He won. He was successful. He led. He built programs and led programs to championships. Um, you know, I remember being in Arizona when he was the head coach for ASU, and uh, he took uh, ASU to the Rose Bowl and in, in nineteen you know eighty six and beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl when he was the head coach of ASU. Um, you know, and maybe that's one of the reasons Ohio State was like, hey, uh, let's let's bring this guy in because sure, I think the next sure. year, or so he went to Ohio State. Um, I loved playing for Coach Cooper. I think he's a great man, um, a great family. Um, I will forever, forever be indebted to him for giving me the opportunity to be a Buckeye. Um, and uh, he, he's a great coach. He's he's a great recruiter. Um, he, he always brought in look at look at the first round draft picks and the talent that Ohio State had 
you know, all the years yeah. that he came through there, the Randall McDaniels uh, that he did at, at ASU. Look at all the talent that he had, that he brought in there. You know, um, speaking of linemen, Orlando Pace, how cool, how great was that guy? You know, as a Buckeye, one of, one of the teammates I got to, I got to play with. Um, so I think just the, the caliber of young men, the talent that he brought into Columbus, uh, he won a lot of big games there. Um, and, but you're right. I think the, the lack of success that we were able to have during that time frame against Michigan, uh, um, you know, I think all of us will kind of be, be known for, not just him. Um, but uh, I, I do feel grateful that, you know, that 1998 uh, game against Michigan under, under coach Cooper's leadership, you know, we were able to, you know, uh, get a, get a great win um, in the horseshoe against Michigan that day. Let's talk about that game for a second. Did yeah. you like, did, did it, did, did it just feel like a 10,000 pound weight just, came off of your guys' backs that day after when, when that clock hit zero in the fourth quarter? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is the biggest game of the year. Um, you know, it's, it's a special game. I'll tell you, I, I actually had the opportunity, you know, after my playing days at Ohio state to be a part of some Ohio state, Michigan fundraising dinners where they, where okay. they get a few players from both teams to speak at it. Um, I got to speak at a couple of those and, and, and it's, it's so, you know, when you're playing in it and maybe from the fans perspective, I mean, there literally is a hatred, you know, between the two campuses, the two schools, and we don't even say their name. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and, uh, but you know what, from, from the player side, it's so awesome to be a part of that because it, it is the greatest rivalry. And it, it, I, I firmly believe that it is, but there's just this respect that you have for, for, for both programs, for, you know, just to being able to, to know that you were a part of that rivalry. Um, and that lives with you for, for a lifetime. And, but yeah, to win the game that day. Um, oh yeah, it was huge. Um, because we hadn't beat Michigan in a, in a long time. Um, and we beat them in a convincing fashion. Um, and, and it was at our home stadium, which was even more special. Um, and then also, if you think just a couple of weeks earlier than that, you know, we had a really good team that year and we got beat by Michigan yeah. state um, yeah. at home. And so, so, you know, to kind of get, you know, that bad taste out of our mouth a little bit with a really, really big win was, was huge too. Well, yeah, you were part of, if I'm not mistaken, right. It, you were part of, I think, I think you were talking when you first got there, was that the citrus bowl year? Yeah, that was uh, yeah. They, they, yeah. We, we got beat by Michigan, Tim Biakabatuka. Uh, ran for over 300 yards against. Don't us even that say that name. <laughs> Don't even yeah. say that name. I know. Um, and uh, so yeah, you, we, played, we played against Peyton Manning in the in the Citrus Bowl. Yes. So you had Citrus Bowl, you had Rose Bowl, and then I think you had two Sugar Bowls, right? Correct. Yeah, man, you played some big, big bowl games. But you know, I think it's very appropriate for us to talk this week, obviously, with Ohio State. Uh, coming up, uh, uh, going into the end of the Rose Bowl, you got to be a part of the Rose Bowl. First question I have for you is, does the, do you think the Rose Bowl still has the same, the same kind of luster to it as it did back then? Because I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I can't tell in my head if I think it does. I think now other teams kind of play in it. And it's not just that like, it was like you had the teams playing for like a title and then it was like the Rose Bowl and that's how it felt every year. And I, I don't know that I feel that even though I do feel it has obviously the grandeur and all that. Do you feel like it still has that that same feeling to the Rose Bowl now than it did when you when you played in it? 
That's a really good thought question, isn't it? I mean, with the BCS and the national title and the, and the playoffs and, and uh, you know, that, that it has kind of changed the kind of the dynamics a little bit of college football, you know, and I think it's a good thing. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, but, but I do think that, you know, all things considered, you compare, you know, it's, it's always a, a privilege to be able to play in a bowl game, a postseason game um, for any school, whatever it is. But the, the Rose Bowl will always still be the granddaddy of them all. Right. Um, and, and I feel that way. Um, I think it is a little bit skewed maybe because, you know, even here, you know, some teams, uh, you know, this, that, you know, even Ohio State, you know, are, are, are they even going to be up for this game? Because they're not playing for a national title this year. You know, um, that's crazy to me. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't understand that at all. Um, you know, to play in any bowl game is great, but I think – um, you know, winning a Rose Bowl, being Rose Bowl champions, uh, man, that is that is uh, pretty prestigious, and that's that's a lot to play for. Well, you and you and uh, who 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 better to talk about that than you, the MVP of a Rose Bowl? How does that? How does that still stick with you? And and you know, uh, as an athlete, and I love especially football players, but I guess kind of everybody. You guys are all so built, and you're a coach, so you have to do this. You're so built to talk about the team and what the team did and what the guys around me did. And, and that's how it should be because with a bad team around you, you could be Peyton Manning and you're not going to win any games. You, you got to have a good team around you to, to do what you were able to do at the same time. Like when you look back, is it, is it a little surreal to be like, yeah, I was, I was the MVP of the Rose bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really, it, it does seem, it, it is, it's pretty incredible. I, it is an unbelievable honor for sure. You know, um, a few, a number of years after I got done playing, um, uh, I think I, it's probably maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago now, um, my mom, just my mom and I uh, got in the car in Arizona and we drove to Pasadena to watch ASU nice. play against UCLA. Yeah. It's a regular season Pac-12 game. Um, but one of the, one of the main reasons was, you know, the, 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 all the Rose Bowl MVP names are on a plaque outside of the stadium at the Rose Bowl on the stadium. Wow. Nice. So, you know, that, that was, that was really cool for my mom, uh, because the last time she was there and I was there was that game, our, our 1997 Rose Bowl game, uh, that we won. Uh, so, so to go back there years later, kind of much after the fact, (laughs) but to know that know that my name and Ohio state's name in 1997 is, is, is on a plaque outside of that stadium. That, that was, that was really humbling um, and a great experience for my mom and I to go back and see. Um, and I was actually just talking with uh, Walt Harris. I don't know if you guys remember that. Nice. Name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Walt Harris, um, you know, he, he came to Ohio state in 1995 he, uh, as, as a, as a coach um, quarterback coach, uh, offensive coordinator, um, but he came to the Ohio State from the NFL. He was he was uh, an offensive coach with the Jets, uh-huh. uh, so he kind of he kind of brought this kind of NFL passing system to Ohio State. Kind of opened us up a little bit more, a little bit more pro style, you know. And um, and uh, you know, I, I was just talking on the, on the on the phone the other day, and one of the things that he did after that Rose Bowl game was done, I was MVP. Um, there was two people at the end of the game that were last in the locker room 
to leave. And that was me and Luke Fickle. And if you remember uh-huh. Luke Fickle, yes. not, not to get not to get off course here. No, go. Yeah. Um, you know, Luke Fickle, he played that whole game with a torn peck. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how how tough would you have <laughs> yeah. to be to do that? I mean, yeah. guys are out for weeks on end, uh, you know, with, with that injury for him to suck it up and, and play that whole game as a nose tackle. Um, man, what a oh, stunt. Sure. So, he, you know, he was he was there to kind of just get treatment, kind of, you know, figuring a way to kind of be somewhat normal after the game with that. And then I was in there. But Walt Harris, um, with the magnitude of that situation, kind of just had the, the decency or whatever it was to go out into the crowd where all of our families were waiting for the players to come out after the game to get my mom yeah. and, to bring, and to bring her into the locker room. Um, I mean, that's, again, that's another memory that is just so so like, wow, you know, for him, for him to do that for me, you know, it was just, uh, and, and, and probably maybe more so for my mom, you know, um, I had all my family there, my mom, dad, brothers, all that there at the game. And so just the whole experience is just, it just kind of blows my mind. Now let's stick with that game for a minute, Joe. Uh, you, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's so amazing, but let's stay, let's, yeah. let's, stay, let's go to the game for a second. You know, obviously there's the final touchdown drive, but what stands out, what still stands out to you about that game to this day outside of that touchdown drive? <laughs> well, um, I think, I think first of all, was it 25, 26 years since Ohio state had been to a Rose bowl? Yes. Yeah. A Rose bowl? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that first and foremost, right. Um, yeah. And at the time, that's what, that's what the big 10 and the Pac, uh, Pac-12 played for, you know, that, sure. that was the game, you know, so you talk about the prestige of it. Um, but then also for me personally, I grew up in Arizona and I, and I was a season ticket holder to Arizona State football. Yes. And the fact that we played against Arizona State, just that dynamic, right? You know, so we're, we're, we're warming up, you know, before the game and just looking across the field to see that, you know, sun, sparky Sun Devil logo. And you're just like, dang, I mean, I, as a kid, I grew up just like <laughs> yes. right in my backyard. You know, and wanted to go there. Uh, now I'm playing against them. <clears throat> you know, so that just that dynamic of it. Um, you know, and, and then just just the just the, the the way that the game played out. I didn't I didn't play at all in the first half. I, I right. think I played one series in the first half. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they point at me and say, "You're starting the second half." I, I actually I actually went into halftime thinking I'm not going to play another down the rest of the game. Yeah. You know, Stanley came out and, and he threw a touchdown pass in the first half and he was moving the team really well. And it was, a, it was a really, really good tight game, you know. And so I just kind of thought, well, hey, they're just going to run with them, you know, the rest of the game. Um, and then I started the second half and played a lot. Uh, you know, the second game, um, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of kind of crazy how that kind of kind of worked out. I just yeah, just the 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 names involved. First of all, you were talking about the plaque. At the Rose Bowl, and I've 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 never been to a game at the Rose Bowl, but I have stood outside the Rose Bowl and just just standing outside of it, there's like a feeling of 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 the the majesty of the place, right? Uh, but all I can think about when you're talking about your name on a plaque is I think you should do a pilgrimage for your high school team, like they do in Remember the Titans. Mm. But instead of going to Gettysburg, <laughs> you should take your team every year to the Rose Bowl and show them your name on the plaque. <laughs> Yeah. Be like, listen, uh, this is me right here. So if you to, want to question to me, me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to question me, this is me. But you look at, you look at that Arizona state team and we're talking about legends. I mean, not many people for a lot of reasons, 
have a legendary status in football, deservedly so, more than Pat Tillman, who was playing against you that you had the game plan for uh, in, in that game. Uh, uh, you obviously had another really good quarterback, uh, and a, a, maybe the best quarterback in football that, or one of the best quarterbacks in football that year, Jake Plummer, one of the one of the all time gunslingers. Uh, uh, just talk about your opponent a little bit about uh, you know when you when you when you see all the all the stuff and and you look at the Pat Tillmans and knowing that you had to to game plan for him, uh, what was that like back then? Yeah, what a team ASU had. I'll tell you. You know, if, yeah. if they if they would have won that game, they were going to be national champions, right? Um, yeah. yeah, you know. So yeah, I mean, gosh, yeah, you you hit the two the two off the top of the head. You know, those those two guys. Um, Keith Poole was a you know an All American, All Pac twelve receiver that they had. Um, uh, and, and, and you know, we didn't know. I mean, obviously, we knew Pat Tillman was this amazing player, and uh, right, and we he was the defensive player of the year, I believe. Uh, in the Pac-12 that year for them, um, you know, Jake Plummer's as good as it gets. Um, look at the NFL career that he had. Yeah. Um, you know, and and uh, and and what a you know what a hero, right? Pat Tillman. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and ASU yeah, has some really great things for him. They have this awesome Pat Tillman. You probably have seen it on TV. This awesome yeah. Pat Tillman statue that the players run through as they come out. You know, out the locker room. Oh, nice. to, to go out to the field um, that, you know, uh, yeah, he's uh, a special human being uh, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable team loaded with talent, um, an aggressive team. Uh, their defense was, uh, they had their free safety. His, his nickname was Fright Night. He split my chin open in the third quarter. Um, you know, I, t- I took a big hit from him back when they used to let defensive players hit quarterbacks, right? Um, oh my god, you know, so, I missed that, Joe. I missed that, Joe. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't. Just, I took oh, it right right there, yeah. Joe's, Joe's laying on the ground bleeding in that game, like, oh, fright night. I right get night, it now. I get it. Now I know. Now I know why they mean a fright night. That's why. Yeah. Um, but you know what else is cool? One, uh, um, there was another player on ASU's team by the name of Paul Reynolds. Um, and you we, we played against each other in that day. I didn't know him at the time. He didn't know me. But you fast forward when I, my first head coaching opportunity in high school here in Arizona was at Queen Creek High School in 2010. And the guy that hired me to be the head coach was Paul Reynolds, who played nice. for ASU in that Rose Bowl. Um, you know, nice. so uh, he's one of my great, great friends, a mentor of mine, somebody that I look up to. Um, and we're still friends to this day and he, he's an amazing guy and his, his sons are awesome football players. One's on a full ride scholarship at university of Utah as a linebacker. Um, you know, uh-oh, so uh-oh. It's, just, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, amazing. The, you know, the impact that that game has made even this many years after. Did it give you any crap in like the interview process? Was he like, Hey, this guy <laughs> he tells, he tells the story. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. He tell he told the story from his perspectives. Now he, he was roommates with Pat Tillman at ASU. Okay, so he and Jeez. Pat Tillman were very very close. Um, but he tells the story that the last drive of the game, right? Um, I I come running out onto the field and there was a TV timeout, and he was out. He played linebacker. Paul Reynolds, obviously Pat Tillman's out there as a linebacker. Yep. And and he tells the story that when they saw me running out there, they saw my face. 
And, and I, and people always used to tell me I'm so young looking. I look like I was a 12 year old out there playing. My, <laughs> my cheap pads were bigger than my face. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Paul, Paul said that when that, when I ran out there for the field, they looked at me and he looked at, he, Paul Reynolds looked at Pat Tillman and said, Pat, we got it. We got this in the back. Oh, no. Get over there. No way he's going to do this. No. And so we just joke about that. <laughs> he thought, he thought that they had the best of me, but. Yeah, we, we got the last laugh. Hey, you take your MVP trophy in and set it on the desk. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you remember this 12 year old. So, so we like to ask this question. Uh, uh, anytime we have any, any level of champion on them, we've had Ohio State champions on, national champions, uh, even, even guys from around here, Mount Union. Uh, we like to ask about your gear. So, so you win the Rose Bowl. And that is, I mean, you won the Rose Bowl, you won the Sugar Bowl. Uh, you beat Texas A&M. That's not my favorite story uh, to tell because I I went to Texas A&M. But uh, 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 do you? What'd you do with all your stuff? Like, do you have your Rose Bowl ring still? Oh, absolutely. Did you just <laughs> yes. keep it? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are cherished items of mine. I I was able to have a um, a Rose Bowl championship ring, um, a Sugar Bowl championship ring, um, and both those years we were Big Ten champions as yep. well. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be the Rose Bowl MVP. So obviously that trophy, um, is very uh, near and dear to me. Um, you know, then my, my senior year, I was also voted big 10 most valuable player, you know, right, and so yes. just to kind of have that, that trophy from the, from the big 10 conference as its most valuable player is, is, uh, you know, quite, the, quite the honor. Um, oh yeah. So I, so yeah, those things, uh, um, I, we actually just, we just moved homes and I haven't really got anything set up, but I do have like a little Buckeye room um, oh, nice. with all, with all of stuff in there, um, you know, and, and uh, uh, so, yeah, those are, uh, those are very, very cherished things for me. And Joe, I, I think, I think, and again, before we get into the Buckeyes going into the Rose Bowl this year, you've got one other ring. You, you got, you got one other ring from your next stop after the Buckeyes, where you were drafted by the Rams and you went on with that 99 team to play. Uh, you were a backup. Uh, you backed up Kurt Warner. Uh, one of the great stories. And and I'm interested in hear a little bit more about that. One of the great stories ever, Kurt Warner. I think they're coming out with a movie. I think Chad wants to ask about that, but uh, uh, you play in one of the greatest Super Bowls. You play in one of the best Rose Bowls of all time. And you play in one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time, where the Tennessee Titans come up about this far uh, short of scoring a game-winning touchdown, and you get a Super Bowl ring in that game. Uh, what was your Super Bowl yeah. experience like, and what was it like to play with with the team that was the greatest show on turf? The greatest show on turf, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. When I when I was drafted by the Rams, the St. Louis Rams. That's how long ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, it wasn't that long. You're not that old, Joe. It's that one now. But you know, they at the time they the Rams were the losingest team of the decade. Yeah, and you're just like, wow, okay. Um, and you know the the beauty of the draft, the beauty of free agency. Um, that next year, 1999, were Super Bowl champions. It, it's one of the great stories, I think. You know. Um, I mean, look at the talk about players, right? At Ohio State, 
Um, you talked about Kurt Warner. I mean, unbelievable story. You're right. Um, unbelievable player. One of the toughest quarterbacks I think I've ever been around. But then look at the guys around him. Orlando Pace, Hall of go. Famer, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Isaac Bruce, Hall of Famer. Torrey Holt, going to be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. You had a slot receiver that nobody could cover named Oz Akeem out yep. of San Diego State. Yeah. I mean, one of the most explosive dynamic players. He he was a great special team player, you know, on punt returns and kickoff returns. And then, oh, oh yeah, there's this running back called Marshall Falk. Oh, yeah. How did we forget oh, about him, huh? Holy Ooh. cow. I mean, the the greatest show on turf. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh it was just uh, you know, the the the, the offense that we ran, the system that was in place there. Uh um, gosh, it was just like the perfect storm, um, it, and just really just lit the league on fire. Uh, it was it was, uh, so, it was so innovative at the time, wasn't it, Joe? Absolutely, way ahead, yeah. way ahead of the game. Yeah. I think uh, I actually heard Marshall Falk uh, in an interview many years ago um, talk about it. That the, even some of the things that are being done today in today's game are kind of were being done way back then by this, uh, you know, St. Louis Rams team, um, the greatest show on turf. Um, it was unbelievable to be a part of um, and to be around that. And actually the, the offensive system that I was able to learn under Kurt Warner and the coaches there is the same system. I was so enamored and in love with just kind of the X's and O's of, of what that was and what it could do. Um, that's the system that we, run at the high school so that I, that I've coached at, I kind of brought that, you know, down to the high, to the high school level, you know, the same verbiage and, and kind of thought process around it. That's, I mean, yeah, I I mean uh, you're, you're a, you're a quarterback in the system, right? So you are like, you are one Kurt Warner thing away from being the guy that has to go in and run the system that, that, yeah, like you said, if you were to watch, go back and watch the St. Louis Rams in 2021, Go back and watch what you guys were doing in 1999. You're going to go, oh, this looks like an offense. A lot of, you know, people have to remember that like a guy like Marshall Falk, what he was doing out of the backfield, catching passes and being a receiving threat. There wasn't many of of those, aside from being uh, just an outstanding running back. There wasn't many of those guys back then. Uh, It looks like a team that could be playing in 2021 and having a killer offense. Uh, when you're trying to pick all that up, coming out of Ohio State, going into St. Louis, are you just sitting there at first just like, holy crap, this is the craziest stuff I've ever seen? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think every player in, in some form or fashion making the jump from college to the NFL kind of experiences that gap, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and the learning curve is different for, for some players and others. Um, but yeah, just the system that was in place there, um, and I think you know a lot of systems are like this. You know, the this the offenses, and I'm kind of a football geek, so you have to forgive me. But you know, like <laughs> this is kind of this kind of offense kind of stemmed from Don Coryell way back in the day. You know, with yeah. the San Diego Chargers, the you know the, yeah. the, the passing tree three digit system, and 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 a number of NFL teams you know kind of ran this and still do. Um, but, but yeah, some, some of these play calls that we had, you know, were 15 words long, you're stepping, you're stepping into the huddle and, and you're just rattling off these, you know, these, these words. And, and, and I can remember like my first, you know, mini camp there, it's like, just, just trying to call play, 
was <laughs> let alone um let alone let alone having to go up to the line of scrimmage and try to read a defense and try to get a completion you know uh, just getting the word out of your mouth was 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 difficult um you know so uh but but yeah i think it's, it was uh they definitely, you know, there, there was unbelievable players, unbelievable talent, but there was a system and a coaching staff in place there that kind of raised the ceiling of, of those guys to, you know, kind of, it was just, it was just everything kind of working out, you know, you know, for the ultimate good. Now, now my next question is a two-parter here, Joe. Uh, so, you know, you played with Orlando at the, at the Buckeyes. Did he kind of, when you got first got drafted, did he kind of latch onto you at all and say, Hey, here, like, let me show you, you know, show you the ropes a little bit, how it is to be a pro. And uh, number two, do you remember any play calls? Because <laughs> I would love to hear one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Orlando Pace is, um, you know, he, one of the all-time greats, obviously. And, 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 and uh, you know, he, he, he and I, I guess, were similar in one way, even though he's way more talented than me. Um, <laughs> we were both kind of quiet guys. You know, didn't really say a whole lot. You know, neither did he. Um, but you always knew that he was, you know, gonna gonna be there. Um, so yeah, he was he was a great teammate in college, and for sure when I got to the Rams, he was you know somebody that, you know, it was it was a it was a um, a familiar face for sure that was you know welcoming uh, to me for sure. Um, so yeah, he, he's he's a great one, all, all time great. Um, and uh, yeah, as far as the as far as the play calls go, um, there there was there was a lot of uh, the the system wasn't just you know lining up and snapping the ball and calling a play. There was a lot of pre snap shifts and movements and motions and all that kind of stuff to try to you know get the defense on its heels a little bit and kind of you know uh, not to you know and be able to know what's what's coming right. And so you know just simple things like um, you know fit to twins right open motion quick scat. You know, two thirty nine uh, F flat each sneak. You know, that that's that's the play. You know, in, 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 in this system, in this system, the quarterback uh, tells everybody what to do. In that in that whole string of words right there, um, you know, a couple words mean something to the offensive line. A couple words mean something to the receivers. A couple words mean something to the tight ends, and, and so on and so forth. And the quarterback has to know it all. Right. And there's other systems out there like the West Coast offense Jeez. where they just do code words. Right. You know, two jet dancer. That's a play, you know, red, right, two jet dancer. And, and the dancer is a word that everybody has to remember and memorize what that means. Right. Um, so it kind of went the other way where now we're, we're, we're telling everybody what to do. There is no memorization. You, you hear it. And you know what to do. Uh, so that puts a lot on the quarterback's plate. Joe, if they discussed, because, you know, there's a Kurt Warner movie coming out because what I mean, it's one of the all time greatest stories. It's I'm shocked that it's taking so long for the Kurt Warner movie to come out. Have they discussed who's going to play Joe Germain in the movie at this point? Um, no, no. There's, there's a lot of guys that can hold clipboards. Uh, so, uh, um, Matthew McConaughey, maybe. Uh, <laughs> huh. Yeah, probably. If you were to pick it, if you were to pick an actor to play you in the movie, who would you pick? You know, I. It probably wouldn't be a speaking part, so I probably could have done it. You know, <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you yeah, go. He's pitching himself. Yeah. Joe Germain yeah. pitching himself. Yeah, but right. uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't get the call. Didn't get the call. Get those residual <laughs> checks, Joe. Get yeah, those residual checks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, come uh, on, Kurt. Take care of me, man. Jeez. 
<laughs> so, Joe, the, the current Buckeyes, let's go back to the Buckeyes and let's talk about the current Buckeyes as they get ready uh, this weekend uh, to play in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Uh, the first thing that happened, uh, a bunch of opt-outs, uh, which I think we, we, we should be seeing that stuff coming now, especially guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. There's a lot of guys on the Buckeyes that are primed and ready to be top draft picks, right? First round, second round draft picks. And, and then we've seen... In bowl games in recent past, uh, we've seen some pretty gnarly injuries that have uh, caused first-round draft picks to turn into fifth-round draft picks. So you're starting to see some some opt-outs more and more. What are your What are your thoughts as you see that uh, going on? Yeah, I guess I straddle the fence a little bit. Um, you know, I, I can see the players' perspective. I can see, you know, they had this amazing opportunity, um, you know, to go to the NFL and and live a a lifelong dream of, of being there and, and they don't want to, you know, jeopardize that. Um, but they also are, are part of a team that, um, you know, they made a commitment to that has done a lot for them to give them the opportunity to be there and to have this opportunity to go to the NFL and almost like they owe it to their teammates, you know, to kind of, you know, uh, be, to be there for them and play with that. I, I wonder if these guys that are, that are opting out, which I, I don't fault them for it. I understand. Um, if, if Ohio State was playing in a national semifinal right now for a chance to go to the national championship with these guys play, you know, sure. what's the difference? Um, you know, um, you know, so I kind of see both sides of it. Um, you know, I, I, but I, I, I wish, I wish they were playing. I, I, I wish they, uh, you know, finished what they started um, and uh, finished this thing with their teammates. Um, I, I would love to see that. With that being said, uh, one of the funniest things, you know, when you start talking, especially the, the top two wide receivers will not be playing in the Rose Bowl. Uh, uh, when you look at the wide receivers on the Ohio State roster that are behind Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, it's some pretty intimidating names, some pretty top level recruits and some pretty talented guys uh, that Utah's still going to have to line up against. So uh, just talk to us just a little bit about uh, a this year's Ohio State team and and you know, what they were able to accomplish and be what you feel like, uh, what you feel like you expect out of them going into this Rose Bowl game. No, I love watching the Buckeyes play. I, I love watching them, uh, what they do on offense. I, being an offensive guy, I kind of focus more on that side of the ball. Um, I, I just lo- I love um, kind of the, the different nuances and the complexity and, and, and how – how well Ohio State can game plan for somebody, uh, you know, Coach Coach Day, uh, Coach Dennis. Um, what they do is is just really really good stuff. I man, I would love to sit in the offensive meeting room and hear those guys kind of just uh, game plan against somebody. Uh, that would be a you know the coach in me would just be like, wow, I would love to be a part of that because uh, just kind of get into their minds, right? That that was one thing that was so great about the Rams team, the greatest show on turf was. You know, Mike Martz, um, Al Saunders, some of the, the coaches uh, for that team, the coordinators, you know, uh, for the passing yeah. game, yeah. Uh, they were just so creative. Like, how do they think about yeah. some of this stuff? You know, sure. I think Coach Day, Coach Dennis, they're kind of like that, right? You know, so I love the game plans that they come with. I love the adjustments that they make. And, and then obviously you have all this talent, right? That, that can go out there and execute, you know, uh, you know that, that, that plan. I love CJ. I love what he does. I, I just love – 
you know, how talented and poised and tough he plays the game. Um, you know, and I love our, I love our, is Henderson, right? Is our running back. Oh God. He is wow. so good. He's a freshman, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gosh, <laughs> I mean, he comes in and, 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 you know, as a true freshman, didn't, the, the running back that we had before was, was a, a big 10 player of the year, wasn't he? Or something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, JK Dobbins. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and, well, and, for, and last year he had, um, who was our running back last year? Uh, why am I blanking? Number 33. The running back that went to San Francisco. They blew yeah. up the bowl game. Trey uh, Sermon. Trey, Trey Sermon. Sermon. Thank you. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> yeah, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon. Uh, you know, so, you know, to come in as a freshman, you know, and how tough he plays. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to see these young receivers come in and, you know, have this opportunity to, to play in this game, but also this experience that they're going to get how well that's going to prepare them and prep them and just kind of short track them for next year uh, is kind of a good opportunity. Now, uh, you know, you talked about CJ for a little bit there, Joe. Uh, I want to talk about him for, you know, exp- expound on that for just a second. You know, let's talk about his journey this year. You know, he started out, those first couple of games were pretty rough for him. But then as the year went on, he really de- evolved. He really developed and he, he really kind of got what it was like to be uh, the quarterback at Ohio State and all the pressure that comes with it. As a quarterback at Ohio State, what is that experience like as you're just first coming in and trying to develop and trying to get a sense of what it is like to be the quarterback at Ohio State? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough. It's tough. I mean, you come in, these highly talented, you know, uh, touted, um, you know, high school quarterbacks, uh, that, that um, you know, get these opportunities to play at these big time programs. It's still a huge jump. I mean, you're that playing field, you know, each level you go up starts to level out and, and uh, you can't just win with talent anymore. You can't win with just being bigger, better, stronger, faster than the guy across from you, because he's, he's that same four-star, five-star guy that you are, you know? Yeah. Um, so now you start winning with above the next stuff and, and that takes time. And the only way that you can really, really get that is just, you know, through experience, you know, and, 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 uh, and that just gets you, gets you out in the field playing. So sometimes these young guys, as you know, he's just, he's a freshman, you know, a redshirt freshman, um, you know, it's, it's going to take him some time just to get, get, get kind of get the feel for, for this live game scenarios. And, and I thought uh, the, the good thing I, I love about, you know, just, and I'm definitely from the outside looking in, but um you know, looking at Coach Day, he, he, I think he knows how to protect quarterbacks. He's a quarterback guy. He knows that, and I'm not saying just physically protect a quarterback, but also he, he knows how to kind of ease, you know, a quarterback into a flow of a game, into a system. And then from a week-to-week basis, maybe add a little bit more here, a little bit more there. And then, then you get towards the middle part of the season, the end of the season, and now you got this snowball that's just slowly – you know, gaining steam and getting bigger, stronger. Now he can handle the whole playbook. I, I just love the whole process that, you know, CJ was taken through. He's obviously extremely talented, but you know, the, the coaches that he has behind him, you know, putting him in those situations is impressive too. Joe, what is, what does it say about Ohio state that we are at a point now with the Ohio state Buckeyes and, and maybe there's some good to it. Maybe there's some not so good to it. Like we talked about, they're going to play a Rose bowl. They're going to play the granddaddy of them all. One of the one of the biggest bowl games that happens every year. And we have to question whether or not they're going to be up for it. 
What does that say about where this program is that when they don't make that top four, it's like, oh, man, they went into this season with a freshman quarterback, a freshman running back, a defense filled with questions, uh, and and they played so well that they're now in the Rose Bowl and it feels like a disappointment. <laughs> like, how crazy is that? Like, where yeah. this program is right up there with the Alabamas of 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 college football, right? I mean, it, it's it's the elite of the elite. Yeah, you're dang right it is. Um, and, and I think that should be the expectations every year uh, for a Buckeye football program is to win a national championship. I, I would assume that Ohio State is going into every game to win. There's, right. I mean, that's what you do, right? Um, and and so so yeah, I I I, uh, I think it's awesome that you know the tradition of Ohio State. I think it's always kind of been that way. Um, but now because of the BCS, that, that is the site, you know, that's the, that's the objective that they want to get to every year. Um, but you know what, in, in my, as you're kind of talking, um, the letdown maybe because they're not playing for a national championship, they didn't reach their ultimate goal. Is there going to be a letdown going to a Rose Bowl? You know, that, that name, that helmet, that logo, um, that you're wearing, that you're representing, um, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than each one of those players that are on that team right there. So they have the obligation, no matter what game they're playing in, to go out there and represent that to the utmost of their ability. So you live out there. One last question for you, and you've, it, this has been so much fun talking to you, and it, it's been a blast, And we, but we don't want to make you feel like we're keeping you all night. One last question. You live out there in packed territory. Uh, you're, you're an Arizona guy, uh, and the Buckeyes are going out there to play uh, the Utah Utes. Uh, who are the Pac champions out there? I don't know what to call them anymore. Pac ten, Pac twelve, Pac a hundred. It doesn't matter. The Pac champions. Uh, they're going out to play Utah, who finished the year as one of the hottest teams in college football. Steamrolled through Oregon in the Pac championship game. Uh, so, what's your what's your key for the Buckeye? What what has to go right for the Buckeyes to beat Utah and be Rose Bowl champions? Yeah, I think Utah is a great football team, a great program. Um, I th- I, I've actually heard from other Pac-12 coaches um, that that Utah, the way that they recruit, they re- they view recruiting as good or better than anybody. And and what's cool about what they do is they don't their their roster isn't littered with four star, five star guys, right? Like maybe in Ohio State's is, but they have the right kind of kid in their program to build a program around and they develop them into NFL draft picks. Right. Yeah. Uh, so just the, the coaches that they have there, the program that they run is extremely well-respected. I, I think that, it, you know, watching Utah play and I, and I kind of know a little bit about Utah because I mentioned Paul Reynolds, um, the mm-hmm. linebacker for Ohio state, his son is a full ride middle linebacker at right. Utah. Um, and so, so that's pretty cool that Paul Reynolds played in the Rose Bowl and now his son is playing in the Rose Bowl. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, but, um, you know, University of Utah is a physical smash mouth, hard nosed football team. Um, you know, so that, that's going to be interesting to me because that's kind of the approach that Michigan took. Yes. Against Ohio State right. this year was to kind of line up, let's put our hand in the dirt. Let's come off the ball, maybe a little bit of old school, you know, football. Um, and, you know, that was a that was a tough game for us this year. Um, you know, does does 
University of Utah look at that game and say, hey, we're, we're maybe we're kind of cut similar from a similar cloth as as Michigan is. Let's uh, let's take that approach to it. Um, you know, so is Ohio State going to be able to, you know, kind of rebound and, and learn, you know, from 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 that game and be able to solve that going into this one? All right, Joe Germain, it has been uh, awesome reminiscing with you, uh, talking about your time with the Buckeyes, talking about the current Buckeyes, obviously the Rose Bowl coming up. And and like I said, uh, I don't think we could have brought up anybody to talk about a Rose Bowl game for the Buckeyes uh, better than you as an MVP with your name stamped on the outside of the Rose Bowl. Hopefully the Buckeyes can stamp another name out there uh, as they go up, up against Utah Joe. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck moving forward. Best of luck at Mountain View. Congrats on that job as, again, uh, a very prestigious high school head coaching job there in Arizona. And uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate your time and, and uh, all the best in, in what you guys are doing. And once again, a huge thank you to Joe Germain. Uh, man, uh, uh, again, if you've been a Buckeyes fan for a long time and if you're an, as old as some of us are, uh, no offense to Joe, but uh, you, not you, Joe, Joe Germain. Uh, uh, just listening to Joe Germain talk about his time in Columbus, coming from Arizona, playing Arizona State in the Rose Bowl, uh, and, 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 and then uh, just his career playing uh, as a Super Bowl champion with the Rams. Guy has a great story, and now it comes full circle for him as uh, he now has one of the most premier head coaching gigs in the state of Arizona. But uh, really, really good to hear from Joe Germain. Chad, as a guy who remembers watching Joe Germain play football for the Buckeyes, that was pretty, that was pretty sweet to talk to Joe here tonight. Dude, that was, that was our high school Ohio State team. Like, that's, that's, that's who we watched in high school. You know, I stayed up for that Rose Bowl game. Oh, I remember. You know, I mean, exactly. I, I, remember well, I think it. it's that like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, when he hit David Boston, yeah, that was our that was our high school Ohio State team, and that was so cool to talk to him. I mean, from from his name on a plaque outside outside of the Rose Bowl to talking about Pat Tillman, to, that was just that was just so enjoyable for me, Mike. I talked to you know, I talked about sentimental beers in the Garage Beers of the Week, and now it's just, <laughs> it's it's a sentimental interview. For me. Oh, God. Chad's uh, just been crying Jermaine. all night. Chad's been crying all night. All night. Well, again, uh, Ohio State uh, against Utah in the Rose Bowl coming up this weekend. Don't miss it. Obviously, it will be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And, and, and I will tell you what, Chad, you and I had a very, very heated conversation last week about uh, my perceptions of bowl season versus yours, and I'm not going to go back into that at all, but I will tell you this. <laughs> I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Um, with the opt-outs for Ohio uh-huh. State, and I agree with the opt-outs. We've seen it. Again, once... Uh, I, once, I, I agree I with remember. them, too. What's, what's the linebacker's name that got picked by the by the Cowboys that played it at, at Notre Dame? Was it Jalen Smith? Jim Richels. No, that ain't it. Uh, but once Micah he, Parsons, you're talking about Penn no, State, Micah Parsons. No, I'm no, I'm talking about Notre Dame. You asshole. Uh, I think it's was it Jalen Smith. What about that, him? That like ruptured his whole knee. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You jerk, Micah Parsons. Like I don't know who Michael pa- Micah Parsons is. Well, I don't know. You're kind of an idiot. So I'm a total moron. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was Jalen Smith that that just destroyed his knee playing for Notre Dame in a meaningless bowl game. And again, I know it's the Rose Bowl, but in the end, it didn't mean anything for Jalen Smith, and he was going to be a top ten, top fifteen pick. Uh, I don't mind that these guys have opted out, and 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 in fact, it actually makes me a little more excited for the game because Chris Olave wasn't going to be back next year anyways. Garrett Wilson wasn't going to be back next year anyways. And I'd love to see him play in the Rose Bowl, but you're about to see some of these guys that are stud wide receivers and stud players play for the Buckeyes that you're going to have to count on next year. And, and they're going to get some action in a very meaningful or in a, on a big stage, I should say in the Rose Bowl, that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's going to be meaningful for these guys, Mike. I mean, yeah, I, I know you know you call them exhibition games last week, which is what uh, which is what pretty much I was stuck on and what pissed me off. But, <laughs> but you know the, these bowl games now, the, the, what they are is they're going to be a bunch of superstars on these teams that aren't draft eligible yet, and they're a bunch of next man ups. So you get so you get to see the four five star guys that have sitting behind that have been sitting behind a Chris Olave, uh, a Garrett Wilson for these past couple of years, a Haskell Garrett for these past couple of years. You're going to get to see basically a, a preview of next year of what you've got coming for next year. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, and, and as much as that is, because as, as, as exciting as that is, it is kind of a game that you're that they're going to have to be ready for, that they're going to have to get up yeah. for, because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing right now. Utah, nobody at Utah's opting out. Utah's coming in, yep. guns a fucking blazing, guys, and and they're gonna they're 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 gonna be they're gonna try to dominate you up front like they did in the Michigan game. They're going to play this game to win. They're definitely not looking at at this game as a, a, as a meaningless game because this is gonna mean something to Utah because this is their first Rose Bowl. They're yes. gonna want to make a great impression. Yes. So yeah, you you if you're Ohio State, no matter who's out there playing, you better come to play. Otherwise. You're going to get boat raced off the field. And you know what? Another cool storyline. Before I move us on, another cool storyline. You just brought it up. It's cool to see Utah play in their first Rose Bowl. That's that's cool. That's, you know, uh, we we call the Rose Bowl the grand. I don't call it that. It's been it is the granddaddy of them all. Uh, and Utah getting their first crack at it. That's going to be fun to watch, especially as they get to go up against a. Uh, a powerhouse in Ohio State. So, uh, again, that game is coming up this weekend. But, again, a huge thank you to Joe Germain, Rose Bowl MVP uh, and and former Ohio State quarterback and and doing big things out there in the high school football scene in Arizona. Before we get out of here, before we get to our three cheers of the week, I want to spend just a few minutes uh, as we prepare for the last two weeks of the Cleveland Browns season. And and it would be – Borderline irresponsible for us not to talk about where we're at with the Cleveland Browns. So last week, I went back and listened to our podcast from last week. And the Cleveland Browns, um, I think we were all kind of right about them. I think like everybody was right about them. Chad, you weren't very optimistic. I think the Browns performed better than Chad thought they were going to perform. Joe and I were a little more optimistic. I was feeling fairly optimistic about the game in Green Bay because I just... I just don't like when people act like you don't have a chance. And I'm like, it's the NFL. You always have a chance. And the Cleveland Browns had a chance. 
And and Joe, I, I want to focus this first part of this primarily on you because I tr- I've tried. You were home. You were home. And I tried to like, like pull you into this conversation with me and you just refused. You just wouldn't do it. But now that we're on the podcast, you don't have a choice. And so one of the things you said last week, and I agreed with you last week, one of the things you said was the Browns don't have a Baker Mayfield problem. The Browns have a wide receiver problem. That Absolutely. that was not the case in the Green Bay game. Absolutely. That was not the yeah. one. I think big picture, sure, one game, sure. Well, big picture, not a problem at all. I'm still 100% behind Baker Mayfield. The no. front of Wait, 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 Joe. Oh, I am. Wait, 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 wait. Don't do that. It's not whether you're behind him or not. We're all okay. behind him. We're all behind Baker Mayfield. We all want yeah. Baker Mayfield to succeed because there isn't one sure. person. Unless sure. you are an idiot, unless you are a complete moron, there's not one Browns fan that wants Baker Mayfield to fail because if Baker Mayfield fails, you are back trying to find a quarterback, and you don't want to do that again. So we all want Baker to succeed, which means we are all behind Baker Mayfield. With that being said, Joe... Baker Mayfield was the primary reason for the loss against the Green Bay Packers. Correct. I agree. All I, right. don't think it, I don't think it's a problem for the team, though. You don't? No, not at all. Um, look, you're playing with somebody that literally has the entire left arm basically immobile. And the one good commentary that Troy Aikman has ever done is during that game, he said, <laughs> sorry. I hate the I hate the Joe and Troy yes, show. It's I guess the we worst can, broadcasting booth ever. I guess um, I guess we can cross Troy Aikman off the list of potential future guests on the garage. Yep, absolutely. Uh, oh no, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I just don't like their pro- I don't like the broadcast. Anyways, he was he had this clip of a throw that Baker had in this game, and he's like he's like you can just tell that anything that's left of center, so from the the middle of the hashes to the left sideline. Baker cannot open up his left shoulder on. And so that's why you're seeing a lot of his throws flat or he's overcompensating or he's trying to throw things walking backwards is because he doesn't have the mobility to move that. With that being said, I think the front office and the coaching staff look at Baker and they say like, you are injured, but you can play and you are by far the best option we have. You're going to go out there and you're going to give us whatever you can. Even if that means you're throwing four picks in one game, this is like that's not what Baker is going to be going forward when he does have a surgery and it gets better. Um, so no, I'm not I'm not worried about it. I think it's 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 a tough situation. You know, it's a skeleton crew of a team that they had last week. You know, the offense was primarily back, um, but you know, it's, he had uh, essentially ten days without any game practice throwing the ball. Uh, so you know, not to make excuses, but you know, it's not like. You should be calling for his head after that game. No, but I, I do want to, and Chad and Joe, I want to I, I, I I walk through what, something real quick, and I want to hear both of your thoughts on it. I want to go back to 2018, and very quickly, I want to walk through Baker Mayfield. Okay? 2018, yep. rookie season. Awesome. Awesome. Especially once he really got his feeling, like once he got the feel for the game in the NFL, Baker Mayfield was spectacular in 2018, Right? 2019, horrendous, horrendous. And, 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 and there's an excuse, but that's what I want to get to the core of. Is there always an excuse? The excuse is Freddie off, Freddie kitchens, this and this and that. But the reality of 2019 Baker Mayfield was he had the jitters. He was constantly rolling out to the right, trying to scramble out of the pocket. He wouldn't stay in the pocket for anything. 
And, and Freddie Kitchens sucked, but Baker sucked in 2019. 2020, the first half of 2020, was bad. It wasn't good at all. It wasn't good. The second half of 2020 was some of the best football we've seen a quarterback play in the city of Cleveland ever. Ever. The second half of 2020 was spectacular. The first four Game. games, first four games of 2021... Baker first was one game. No, first four games of 2021. Baker was pretty good. Baker led the led the league in 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 uh, completion percentage through the first, I believe, four games of the season this year in 2021. Right. And then, and and then I know the injuries happened. I know. But it happened week. Yeah. I, wait, wait, yeah, wait, I wait, wait. Because I'm putting okay. together a picture here. The injuries happened, and that's fine. And and. And again, it, one thing that's starting to piss me off a little bit is that we, we, we act like we can't talk about the injuries. No excuses. He is hurt, and he's been hurt, and that's fine. Having said that, it's his fourth year in the league, and how much of good tape has Baker Mayfield put out there? His rookie year was pretty good all the way through. His second year was bad. His third year was half good, half bad, and his fourth year was kind of good at the beginning and then bad. It's been more bad than good for whatever excuse there is. Baker has put more or, or maybe even not bad, but more mediocre tape out there than he's put good tape out there. And so for this year, this is the hard thing. This is the crucial year. This is year four of his rookie contract. He doesn't have the ability to just have a bad year and then just come back next year and make up for it like a guy like, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers would, or a guy in his seventh year of his, you know, of his, or second year of his second contract. He needs good performances and they're not coming together. So for, I just want to be realistic about it. I want Baker to succeed, but for all the people that are like, you can't criticize Baker, there is just as much, if not more, stuff that you can criticize Baker on through four years of his career than there is stuff that should carry him to that contract. So I just, I, I don't know. I just kind of want to hear your guys' point on that. Joe, do you want to go or you want me to go? You can go first. All right. Uh, it's, you know, as you pointed out, Mike, it's been a roller coaster ride. And, and so it, it's, Yes, while you can point to injuries this year, the body of work is there. You know, it, it's been inconsistency his, his, his entire four years that he's been here. And I, I don't know whether I put, as far as this year goes, I don't know whether I put the onus on the front office or Baker. I don't know who completely makes that decision. But him being injured has clearly hurt this team, Mike. So So it's... So I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's this front office not believing in Baker and 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 giving him a rope to hang himself on, or if like if Baker's saying, "Yeah, I'm good to go. Put me out there." I, I don't know what it is, but I do know this. I do know this. We've talked about it with Tyvis Powell. Like, if you're if you think you're healthy enough to strap it up and go out there and play, I expect you to perform. Nobody cares about the injuries. Nobody's going to care about the injuries if if you go out there and and throw picks, or 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 hurt this team, or not not be effective in this offense. Nobody is going to care because 
if you're healthy enough to strap it up out there, you're expected to perform. And he's just not doing that. He's hurting this football team. He's been hurting this football team for as long as he's been in there. Why? But, but the question is, why? Who's making that decision? Who's uh, because it's I don't know to me it might I don't know if it is to you guys but to me it's blatantly obvious that that's that that's the case that that's the case but uh, yeah that's just that's just my two cents on it the body of work the body of work is there the is is Baker has just been inconsistent in his first four years in the league so I yeah that's that's where I'm at yeah and that's definitely not true I will say though like. We definitely have at least one more guaranteed year of him in this experience. Like his options picked up, I guess they could rescind that, but I don't think they will. No, no, no. His options no, picked there's, up. There's not really like a great quarterback option for next year outside of Baker Mayfield, unless you do like a Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, that's it. Or Derek Carr. Like you get one of those two, but no, I don't think the front office is going to do that. I think they're going to try to use this draft to solidify. Uh, maybe the wide receiver room a little bit. We'll probably, my guess would be that Jarvis Landry might be out after this year. Um, I think so. I mean, anyways, um, yeah. So, so here's, you know, you bring up the fifth year, you bring up the fifth year option and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to quote Jake Burns, our buddy, Jake Burns. You guys know, if you've been paying attention to us, we've been, we've been doing a little work with the OBR, which has been very fun. Jake Burns does a lot of work with the OBR. And he brought up something in, in a show that I did earlier this week. Um, history says that a quarterback on a fifth-year deal is basically on track to sever ties with the team that he's on. Recent history of quarterbacks that were on fifth-year deals include guys like Jameis Winston with Tampa Bay. Includes guys like uh, Ryan Tannehill with Miami. That's that's those are the guys who have had their fifth year options picked up by their team. And generally speaking, it's very, 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 very rare to see a guy come out in his fifth year option with the team and then re-sign with his team and become like their their franchise quarterback. So, and, and I know this sounds stupid and I don't mean for it to sound stupid, but it's not just battling his way into the franchise quarterback, but there's a bit of a fight for history here. There's a fight against history. History says, history says that Baker Mayfield and the Browns are working their way towards a split. And that's not my favorite thing to say. And that's, that's the way Jake put it. And I thought it was very astute though. That is what we have seen in the past. Now, having said that, having said that, History can change with the Browns because if Baker Mayfield gets healthy in the offseason and he comes out and plays the way we have, the, the only reason we're having Baker Mayfield talks, guys, is because Baker has shown the ability to do what we want him to do. Baker has shown that he can be a franchise quarterback because he's shown the talent to do it, but he's not shown it consistently. So that's why we're having the discussion on Twitter. That's why we're having the discussion amongst other Browns fans is because he has shown the ability to do it, but he hasn't done it consistently. So he's going to have well, and, the option and, and, to change history next year. And, and that's people. And, you know, and that's the thing, you know, people talk about, you know, if people who want to get rid of Baker, Oh, what's your plan B? What's your plan B? That is the plan B. The ideal solution 
for right. this team because because there is because this team's window is now the ideal solution is for Baker to get healthy and ball out next year. Say it it's again, for the Chad. offense. Say it, it again, it's Chad. For the, it's for Baker to get healthy and ball out next year. The ideal solution is this offensive line getting healthy and imposing their will on opposing defenses last year with something that they're not doing this year. Forget about that. Go back to your point. Baker Mayfield is the ideal solution for the Browns. Make no mistake. For for somebody like me that is willing to sit back and say, and Chad and Joe, all of us are willing to sit back and critique the situation and critique the player and analyze the situation. Make no mistake that we all understand that the ideal situation for the Cleveland Browns team as it sits is Baker Mayfield. Yes, 100%. Because, again, like I said before, this team, their window is now. Now. They don't have have the time to start over at quarterback, guys. So, I mean, yeah, if Baker goes out and is mediocre or lays an egg again next year, I think you have to at least look into going big fish hunting because you don't have the time. Baker Mayfield, Mm -hmm. if, if this team was kind of halfway there or if this team was kind of making their way there then sure you might have a couple extra years for ba- to, to see if baker can develop into that guy but no yeah the time is now for this team so if this year was crucial yeah i mean you have injuries as an excuse next year is even i mean next year it's is the year it's the over the year. moon over the moon yeah. crucial guys <laughs> so here's the scenario real quick boys let's run down the scenario as we enter the last two weeks of the season, the AFC North is still very, 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 very much in play for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know that it's likely. I don't know that it's likely, but it's extremely possible. So here's the scenario. The Cincinnati Bengals have to lose to the chiefs at one o'clock on Sunday. If the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs at 1 o'clock on Sunday, you'll know this. By 4 o'clock on Sunday, you will know whether or not Cincinnati has won the AFC North. Because if Cincinnati beats the Chiefs on Sunday, they will win the AFC North. Yep. And then... And then the good they, news is that the Chiefs are playing for home field still, so... Yes. It's not going to be a throwaway game. And, and listen, the AFC North is the Browns' route to get into the playoffs. Because yep. the wild card is... It's like a... 3% chance at this point. They need everybody <laughs> yeah. to lose every game, essentially. Forget about it. They, yeah. I think what in, in order for it to even be a chance, the Browns would need to win their last two games. The Broncos would need to win their last two games. And then, like, everybody else needs to lose. So, like, it's not great. Uh, right. But luckily, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing their best football of the season, and they have something to play for. So... Yeah. If the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati on Sunday, and if the Los Angeles Rams beat the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, which is very possible, and if the Cleveland Browns can walk into Heinz Field on Monday night and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, then the game between Cleveland and Cincinnati in week 18 in Cleveland will be for the AFC North division title. Yeah. Wowie zowie. And, and let's not, and, 
and let's not forget, guys, for as bad as the Chiefs' defense was the first half of this season, they are playing at a very, very high level this second half yeah. of the season. So that, that game is uh, definitely going to be very tough for the Bengals to win. So At, I, at the same time, the Cincinnati Bengals are playing about as well as anybody right now, too. They're playing I, I good know. football. I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it seems like the Bengals are a week to week team. It well, really does. It's it's it, they're I think the Bengals are playing pretty good football, but luckily it's the Chiefs going in there. We'll see if the Chiefs can play up to the standard that they want. As far as the Ravens go, there is and, rumor and, there's rumor that Lamar Jackson might be practicing again this week, but there is nothing indicative saying that he'll be ready for Sunday. If Lamar Jackson is not ready for Sunday, there should be no issue for the Rams. Yeah. And and by the way, by the way, if that scenario plays out like you said it does, Mike, Baker Mayfield, if there's one team he has owned his entire career, it has been the Cincinnati Bengals. So so this is this is this is a do or die situation so here for the Cleveland Browns. It's it's a very funny thing with the Browns this year, guys. It's a, it's 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 this like juxtaposition that you feel as a Browns fan. This has been a very disappointing year. Insanely yeah. disappointing. Whether it's because of injuries or COVID or just flat out not great play. Yeah. And I think especially when you talk about not great play, you talk about the beginning of the year, especially defensively, when you had a chance to take out Kansas City, you had a chance to take out Los Angeles, the Chargers, you had a chance to win some games that you lost. And now later in the year, defensively, you've been given yourself a chance to win and your offense hasn't come through. Uh, there's a lot of wins on the table. The Browns have lost, I think, six or seven games now by less than six points. Uh, so the Browns are like just one play away from being either where they're at right now, which is seven and eight, or, you know, 12 wins. Uh, having said that, it's such a weird position to be in because it's been so disappointing, and yet the hope is there. But by four by four thirty on Sunday, guys. By four thirty on Sunday, you're going to know whether the Browns have their own destiny in their hands. By four thirty on Sunday, if the Ravens and the Bengals lose, then the Browns just need to win their games. Their last two games, all they got to do is win those games, and they're in. They win the. They win the division. Right. So by four thirty on Sunday, boys, we're going to know. We're going to know what the Browns have. Right. Right. And the Rams are still playing for home field as well by the way. So the Rams also have something to play for. So that's not a throwaway game either. So the good news, the good news and Joe Thomas brought this up on Twitter, boys, the good news for the Browns is if things can bounce their way one more weekend. And I don't know how many weeks we can count on this because things have brought <laughs> bounced the Browns way every weekend for like the last three weeks. Yeah. Everything has gone the Browns way for like the last three weeks. And the only thing that hasn't gone the Browns way is the Browns. <laughs> the last three weeks. That's the only thing that hasn't gone our way. But everything else has gone our way the last three weeks. And Joe Thomas pointed this out. He goes, I think I got one more advantage for the Browns. The Browns have gotten all the COVID stuff out of the way now. Yeah. yeah. The Browns are going to be, uh, when you look at the list of players coming back for the Browns against the Steelers this week, it is incredible. It's yeah. like a whole goddamn team of healthy players that are just going to arrive <laughs> on the scene for the Browns against yeah. the Steelers. And so 
listen, 4.30 on Sunday could be either a very exciting time for Browns fans or a very disappointing time. The disappointing thing is if the Bengals beat the Chiefs, the Browns have virtually no chance of anything. And we're looking at two straight weeks of hopelessness. Right. But one more week of things bouncing our way, boys. And Monday night's going to be a hell of a good time against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good time or an anxious time? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> Both. Uh, but I will say this, and this is lasting just for a little bit of hope. I think if the Browns play the exact same way they did against the, the Green Bay Packers. And Joey, I'm going to go back to something real quick. Because you are on the Baker Mayfield train. And I am one foot on, one foot off of the Baker Mayfield train. I got stats for this, too. But I will say this. (gasps) I will say this. I don't think Baker played nearly as bad of a game against the Packers as everybody makes it sound. He just threw some of the worst mistake interceptions you could possibly throw. (laughs) But other than that, other than that, I think Baker played pretty well. He he made some great throws in that game. He he looked there were some throws. How about that third and 16 when he connected with Rashard Higgins for 18 yards on a spectacular throw? Uh, yeah. There were two deep balls to Donovan Peoples-Jones that were beautiful throws. Donovan Peoples-Jones should have caught one for a touchdown and it went through both of his hands. Uh uh so I think Baker played better than people think. So if Baker, I think if Baker plays the exact same way he did and just limits, maybe one, one interception is fine. If he limits the turnovers and plays the way he did and the Browns play the way they did, especially defensively against the Green Bay Packers, I think they'll steamroll these next two games. <clears throat> what are your stats, Joe? Yep. Uh, you didn't go where I was thinking you're going to go with that. So, uh, they don't really pertain, but it was, uh, it was game winning drives or fourth. It was uh fourth quarter. Yeah. Fourth quarter game winning drives and like how people stack up in the league. Oh, uh, don't, don't do that. That's that's don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. Just saying. I was just prepared with it if we need to go there. And and Chad, Chad, you had one of the best Twitter posts I've seen because somebody threw out there like Baker. Somebody did, and it was just so stupid. Somebody threw out there. And it's wrong, actually. Somebody threw out there like Baker Mayfield stats through this point of his career, through the first four years, versus Brett Favre, versus whatever. And then Chad was like, oh, but also here's Andy Dalton. And here's like <laughs> these other players that are not Hall of Famers and they right. have yeah. just as good as stats. Like, <laughs> yeah. stats can always be manipulated, guys, but you have to look at what you've seen out on the field. Right. So, Chad, right, right. I, I don't know. Chad, you're, I'll give you final thoughts here. Final thoughts on the last, the last couple of weeks and especially going into this week against Pittsburgh. I mean,. <laughs> These last two, these last two weeks are very winnable games for the Browns. So things just, I, 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 I don't really have anything really further to add, Mike. Because yeah, the, 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 if the Browns can, if things could just fall the Browns' way, like you said, for 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 one more week, and and these are two, and it's and it's extremely possible too, because the the, the Bengals and the Ravens play both. You know it, the elite teams of the NFL, elite teams in the NFL. So it's it's very possible for this 
for this week to fall the Browns way. And if it does, I don't know. Sky's limit. I don't know how confident I am. The Steelers suck. I know the Steelers suck, but with the but but with how inconsistent this Browns offense has been this year, I don't know if it's a guaranteed win. I really don't. It should be because the Steelers suck, but we'll see. I mean, it's it's they control their own destiny in their hands, and with this team being a product of buying into their own hype, I think a, a, a little bit they need to. I, I don't know if, if they can get that out of their heads and just play football. Maybe they can win. Maybe they can win. It's a game they should win. It's a game they should beat the Steelers. I, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I hope, but I just don't know, Mike. Hey, listen, Pittsburgh with their fans, and I, uh, people were were making a big deal out of this, but I think this is true. I think home core or home field advantage has become such a non-issue for most places in the NFL. Pittsburgh's not one of them. Pittsburgh's got a great <laughs> home field advantage. With the fans in that stadium, it is a tough place to play. You could be looking at Ben Roethlisberger's last game in Pittsburgh, and there is a chance. Revenge game for last year? There's a chance, though. There's a chance that for the second year in a row, the Browns could basically end the season for the Steelers. And so, listen, uh, step one, Sunday. We are all rooting. Listen, we are all rooting for the Chiefs. And we are all rooting for the Rams. We are Chiefs and Rams fans. Sunday. And the home of the Chiefs. Let's That's go. What they do it. That's what they do at like the uh, the national anthem. Like if they go, they go, and the home of the, and the, the entire crowd goes, Chiefs. Thank you for explaining that. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, if the Chiefs and the Rams win, guys. This is going to be a really, really fun time. Again, the anxious time against the Steelers. And if you can get past the Steelers, boys, I, I just I just want this to happen. The Bengals yeah. and the Browns in Cleveland for a winner-take-all divisional title game in Week 18. That would happen next year. That's the hope. That's the desire. Those three things need to happen. Chiefs. Rams, Browns. If those three teams win this week, next week it's Browns, Bengals for the title. Let's see what happens. But boys, that's going to do it. Our last segment of the week is our three cheers of the week, where we throw out just uh, some feel good, some attribute, something. So uh, I'm going to lead us off this week. I've got a cheer of the week. It happened today, and it's a tribute to one of the one of the greatest names in the history of football. This is just a tribute to, to somebody that did more for the game of football. His legacy in the game of football will be as big as anybody's ever. And he passed away today. John Madden, a legendary coach, a Super Bowl winning coach, a legendary broadcaster, a Hall of Fame worthy broadcaster, and then a guy who stamped his name on something that will be pop culture icon forever, which is the Madden video game series that has been around since the early 1990s. Yeah. John Madden did more for the game of football, whether it was as a coach, a broadcaster, or continuing to bring young people into the world of football by having his name attached to that video game than I think anybody in history. I think John Madden 
is the icon of football. And John Madden passed away today, uh, a true legend. Uh, and, and if you're a football fan, you owe a lot of your fandom. What, whatever team you're a fan of, you owe a lot of your fandom to John Madden. So my cheer of the week goes out to John Madden, uh, a great life lived uh, and, 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 a, and, a, and a true icon. My cheer goes out to him. Chad, how about you? Your cheer of the week. If I can make just a quick comment, Mike, you know, John Madden spreads across, you know, three generations for my dad. He, for my dad, he was the Super Bowl winning coach for guys like you and me, Mike. He was the iconic broadcaster with him and Pat Summerall. You know, we got used to hearing him every single week with him and Pat, you know, on that prime, uh, you know, four four o'clock. And Thanksgiving NFL games. And then, you know, and then, of course, there's the video game, which stretches from when we were kids to the forever. kids nowadays. So, and, 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 yeah, and for, Chad, and Chad, forever. Forever, Madden, yeah, Madden, absolutely. It's, there's going to be Madden 50. There's going right. to be Madden 60 and 70. Right. It's going to be Madden right. forever. Right. And, uh, you know, okay, so my cheers, it's simple. It's going to go out to your family. I was never expecting gla- like you know, those glasses, and it's, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> so my cheers <laughs> yeah. goes out to your guys. Because family. Cheers to you guys. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's the family. Cheers to the family. Uh, we'll get Chad. I'll get you your glasses whenever I see you next. Uh, Joe, what's your hey. cheer? I'm just going to have to echo both those. I think on the John Mann side, I grew up like really getting into football very late compared to you guys. Uh, and before I even knew how to play the game of football, I was like playing the video game itself. Uh, and it's kind of funny how much of an impact like a singular person can have on, uh, you know, the branding of of a game to people uh, who don't know the sport very well. Even though that's a very popular sport that I probably should have known a lot earlier. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then second cheers is these glasses. These are the sweetest glasses. Uh, so cheers to my mom, my sister, and probably my dad for some help on these glasses. Do you have? Do you have? Do you have even for a second an original cheers? <laughs> No, I don't want to kill the vibe. Don't kill the vibe. All right, boys. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. Bitch, that, don't kill my vibe. That is going to do it. Episode 97 in the books. Huge thank you goes out to Joe Germain. What a fun time it was talking to a former Ohio State quarterback, Rose Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion, Joe Germain, uh, as we prepare to watch the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Utah Utes in the Rose Bowl this weekend. Again, cheers goes out to... Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, and the Unhinged Radio Network for bringing us to you every week. And as always, our biggest cheers every week goes out to you, the listener. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for interacting with us, whether it's on TikTok or Twitter or YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. Go follow us at all of those places. And if you don't mind, we would love it if you would leave us a review on whatever your podcast host site is, whether it's Spotify or Apple or whatever. But before I get out of here, Chad looks like he's going to say one more thing. Uh, and let us pray that Ricky Rubio's knee is just a sprain or something and nothing serious. We will we will go back to that. But, but Cavs lost a tough one tonight, but we'll get into that later. But yeah. in, in any case... Uh, we appreciate you. Again, our last cheers goes out to you. So for Joey down in Nashville, 
Go follow him at Garage Beers Joe. For Chad over on the east side of Cleveland, at Garage Beers Chad. My name is Michael Keefe at Garage Beers Mike. This has been episode number 97. We're creeping towards that big 100. Stay tuned for big announcements. But next week, we'll see you for episode 98. Cheers, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.